0: warrior, okay? You cannot top that at all. But far beyond that, okay? Craig and Shelley get the gospel. They get the gospel in its fullest extent. Do you realize this? And Craig probably will not tell you, 11 years they have lived in Indonesia, nine of them in Papua. Within the last two years the church of Jesus Christ was planted. Do you realize nine years of investment? When it says this, let me read to you. It says in Isaiah chapter 61, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all of the nations. What an absolute testimony of that we have as a privilege to be before us today. Craig and Shelly, we love you. We pray for you. This is the first time that we actually get to meet face-to-face. And so, may the Lord bless you, my brother. Thank you. Wow, man.
1: After an introduction like that, I feel like I should come doing backflips onto the stage or something. It's quite the, quite the introduction, but... Oh man, we are uh, so glad to be back here with you guys. It has uh, been five years since we've been back here. Um, for those of you who don't know, we used to we went through training with new tribes um, back in uh, what would it have been 2003, I think. So about 14 years ago, and that's when we came to church, came to Big Woods, fell in love with the Big Woods family here, and so a lot of new faces out there, but thankfully a lot of familiar faces. So this is really cool to see. Um, but it is so good to, to be back here with you guys. Um, I was just telling Zane that we were, you know, just driving into Pennsylvania. We just, we love Pennsylvania. Um, we're from Michigan. It's totally flat. And so as we get into Pennsylvania, we see the, the the mountains and everything. We just love it. And this time we came in, we left New York City and came into Pennsylvania. So Pennsylvania looked even better than it ever has. Um, man, it was good to get out of New York City. But I, I, I realize I am not a big city person, so... Anyways, um, yeah, we're going to be sharing more about what God has been doing in uh, Indonesia, in Papua, in the Sunday school hour. So I really encourage you guys to come back for that time. But right now, um, I want to share with you guys something from the Word that God has put on my heart. Obviously, being a missionary, um, we get a lot of opportunities to speak. We get a lot of opportunities to be in, you know, in front of people like you, like I am right now. Um, and obviously, as a missionary. My heart, my passion is to see the lost. Sometimes as I, as I have an opportunity to speak and share with people, um, I, I'm always contemplating, okay, how can I get people that I'm speaking to to have this same passion that I have, to have this excitement that I have? How, you know, how, can, I, how, how can I convey that to them? How can I get that across to them? And um, This time as I was thinking about what to share about, um, I kind of went back into, I guess, my own life, and what God used to impact me, or I guess I should say, light a fire under me, um, to share the gospel, to ex- to get excited about what, what God has done, to have a passion for reaching the lost. And as I thought about it, it was kind of funny, because what got me to the point of having a passion for reaching the lost, or sharing the gospel, was actually the gospel. And so as I went back and I thought about it, and... and And actually what it was is it was coming to that, first of all, an understanding of the gospel. And then as I went along in my Christian life, coming to a deeper understanding of the gospel. Really understanding of who I was before Christ and who God made me in Christ. Um, And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Um, I want to talk about a a couple people from scripture um, who had an encounter with, with God. I want to I talk about a couple people from Scripture who, um, as I'd like to put it, and we're going to see in Isaiah, they saw the Lord. And I'm not talking about seeing the Lord with, with their physical eyes. Some of these people did. We know that from Scripture. Many people saw God, um, saw the Lord in that way. But I'm talking about seeing the Lord in an aspect of coming to a deeper, fuller understanding of who He is and what He's done. So the first guy I want to talk about... Um, and we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be flipping through some scriptures here, but I don't even necessarily want you to turn to them until we get to Isaiah. Um, but the first guy I want to talk about is Job. We all know Job. The guy's got a, a book of the Bible that's written just about him. You know, so we all know Job. And we we start out the the book of Job, and it talks about Job being a blameless man. He was close with God. He had he he had a relationship with God. In fact, when Satan comes to before God, you know, God is like, hey, look at my servant Job. Like he's, he's using Job as like, hey, this, this is a guy who is after my own heart. So we have Job. He is, uh, he's a good guy. He knows a lot about God. Um, but there comes a point in Job's life where he sees the Lord, where he gets a deeper understanding for who God is. And it says in Job 42, verses 5 through 6, Job says this, he says, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes, and I take back everything I said. I sit in dust and ashes and show my repentance. So this is a guy who already knew a lot about God, was close with God, and then God opens his eyes just a little bit more to see a little bit more of who he is, and Job's like, are you kidding me? I only heard about you before, but now I've seen a little bit more, and I'm like, he's like, I'm done. I just, I'm just, i just going to sit here in dust and ashes. I take back everything I said. You're God, I'm not. And he's just blown away by who God is. Just as God opened his eyes just a little bit more to see a little bit more of who, he, of who God is. And from that point, Job left changed. I, I, I'm sure that Job did not go back After we get to the end of the book of Job, I'm sure Job did not go back and live the same way he had before. He had a new understanding of who God is and was blown away by it, and he left changed. Another man I want to talk about, the Apostle Paul. As we know, the Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, his name was Saul. And here was Saul, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Very self-righteous, righteous righteous in his own eyes. He thought that based on his own good works, on the things that he did, he could be right before God. Very self-righteous man. He hated Jesus. He hated Jesus' followers. Number one, Jesus claimed to be God. That was blasphemy in the eyes of Paul. Saul at that time. I'm just going to say Paul because if I go back and forth it's going to get confusing. He hated Jesus because Jesus claimed to be God, which was blasphemy in his eyes. And also because Jesus constantly was telling people, you cannot be right with God on your own, based on your own good works. Jesus was constantly calling people to repentance, to get to the point where they were saying, yes, I'm a sinner and I cannot be right with God based on the things that I do. So Paul hated Jesus. He hated Jesus' followers. He's going down this road to Damascus because he had been killing and imprisoning followers of Jesus. He's going down this road, and what happens? He has an encounter with somebody, with Jesus. He hears this voice. He sees this flash of light. He sees the Lord. He comes to understand who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and it changes his life. God takes Paul, he spins him around 180 degrees and shoots him off in a different direction like a cannon which Paul had never expected to a, a direction that he had never expected to be going just a couple days beforehand. He saw Jesus. He saw the Lord. He came to a deeper understanding, a a new understanding of who Jesus is. And he was changed. We look at the the, the Bible, the New Testament. Many of those books are written by the Apostle Paul, a persecutor of Jesus and Jesus' followers. But something changed. He had an encounter with Jesus. He saw the Lord. His eyes were open to who God is and who Jesus is. And his life was never the same. The last guy I want to talk about is the prophet Isaiah. And if you could, uh, please turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to go through verses 1 through 8. So Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going to read just verses 1 through 4 right now, starting out. So Isaiah says, this is Isaiah here, it says... It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, And the entire building was filled with smoke. Okay, so here's the setting. You got got Isaiah, little Isaiah. And the reason I say little Isaiah is because he is about ready to encounter somebody who is so far above him, so much bigger than he could ever imagine. Because it says, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. There he is. Isaiah is standing there and he looks up and he sees God, he sees him on his lofty throne, this this elevated throne, the, the train of his robe is filling the whole temple. The place is shaking, there's smoke everywhere. And Isaiah sees this sight. But that's not the crazy part of all of it. Then it says you have these seraphim. So these seraphim are angelic-like beings, they're, they're angels. And everything we know from Scripture is angels are not the angels that we think of that fly around with halos and shoot little arrows, love arrows at people. That's not the angels we see in Scripture. These are powerful, powerful beings. Way more powerful than us. Powerful beings. And what do we see these powerful beings doing? They've got six wings. They're not flying with all six of them. They're flying with two of them. Two of them are covering their faces. Two of them are covering their feet. And they're flying and they're saying, God, you're so holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with your glory and and they can't even look at Him. They've got their faces covered and they're saying, God, we can't look at You because You are so far above us. You are so holy. You are so mighty. They're covering themselves up because they can't look at God because He's so holy. And Isaiah's standing there and I can just picture him. He's just like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And this is what Isaiah says. Verse 5. Excuse me. Verse 5. Isaiah says, And then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Isaiah looks up. He sees God, he sees these seraphim that can't even look at God, even though these are powerful angelic beings. He sees God in his awesomeness, and the first thing he thinks is like, no way. God is so holy. God is so far above me. He is he is so unlike me. And he's like, I have just seen this perfect, holy, righteous God, and I'm a sinner the first thing he realizes in all of it is, is the huge gap between him and God. He says, I am sinful. He's like, just kill me now. I'm done. Because I'm a sinner and I have seen the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. His unworthiness became so much more evident in the light of God's worthiness. His unholiness became so much more evident as he looked at God's holiness and he was blown away and he's like, no, woe is me. I'm a goner. Because he saw the holiness of God and he realized his own sinfulness. So we've got to look at that. We've got to realize. We've got to identify with where Isaiah was at. Picture it. Picture yourself there before God in our sinful state before we've known Christ that's what that's that's what Isaiah was feeling he's just like no you gotta be kidding me I'm a goner thankfully that's not where his story ends and that's not where our story ends going on Isaiah chapter 6 verse 6 through 7 it says then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs he touched my lips with it, and he said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. There's a lot of symbolism there, but I want to focus on that that, that one thing, that one phrase, your sins are forgiven. He touches his lips with this coal from the fire, and it says, your guilt is removed, your sins are forgiven. Isaiah had just been standing in the presence of God, feeling the weight of his own sinfulness, feeling like he was a goner, like, oh no, man, I'm done, I'm gone, I've just seen God and I'm a sinner. And then this seraphim comes over, touches his lips with the coal and he says, you're forgiven. Like, can you feel that? Have we felt that? Have we come to understand that? Have we, have we seen the Lord like Isaiah did? Have we come to the point where we've been standing before the Almighty God, like pulling our hair out, like, no, you got to be kidding me. That's God. I am nothing like Him. Have we come to the end of ourselves? We're like, we're a goner. And then have we been there where we're standing and we just feel God's grace wash over us? And it's just like, oh. That's how Isaiah felt. That's what happened to Isaiah. And God's grace washes over him. It says, your sins are forgiven. You've been cleansed. And then we go on from there. And this is what I really want to talk about today. It says in Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 8, And then I heard the Lord saying, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, "Here am I. Send me." Okay, so God's there. Isaiah has just felt the weight of his sinfulness in the light of God's glory, and then he just felt his sins just poof, just drop off of him, being forgiven like that. He's just he's just totally been forgiven of his sins. And then God says, "Hey, I got a message. I need to take. Uh, I need to send to someone. Who's gonna Who's gonna take it for me?" And you know, in Looking at this, you know, it, we have to, we, we look at this and we say, okay, what, did, what was Isaiah's response? We already read his response, I know, but, you know, we look at his, what was his response? You know, was he, did he contemplate, you know, like, okay, hold on, um, God, just one second here, I got to just check my schedule, because I've got a lot going on next week, so, you know, or was it like, you know, well, God, somebody more experienced, somebody older than me would probably be better, or, you know, like, God, I'm, I'm a little too old, you know, maybe you should send a younger guy. Do we, see, we don't see any of that in Scripture. In fact, even how it's translated, it's translated correctly, I'm sure, it's just, you know, sometimes I don't know if we get the emotion of it. You know, it says, here am I, send me. And I, looking at the circumstance of what just happened, I'm picturing Isaiah a little bit more like my kids when I say, who wants a bowl of ice cream? I think Isaiah was standing there saying, pick me, 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 pick me. I want to go because I've been standing in front of the Lord. I've seen the Lord and I've seen my own sinfulness in the light of who He is. And then as I was standing there, my sins were forgiven. I want to go because I've been forgiven. I've been cleansed. I don't think there was any hesitation because He had been forgiven of His sins, He had been changed. He had seen the Lord and he left changed. That's what we're talking about here. You see, when people have seen the Lord, when they've understood their unworthiness, and I think that's a huge part of it. That was a huge part for me, is coming to repentance. That that idea of seeing like, I am so unworthy. I am so sinful. I don't deserve this at all. In fact, I deserve God's wrath. When you come to that point, and then the coal touches your lips. And then you feel your, the forgiveness of your sins. You feel God's grace wash over you. I don't think you can go through that and leave unchanged. And that's what happened to Isaiah. He was changed. Guys, we have to realize that for those of us who have understood the gospel, who have trusted That Jesus died in our place. For those of us who have become believers, something has changed. Something huge has happened to us. And I don't have time to get into, I'd love to just take hours to lay this all out. It's so fun. That's what we did as we talked to Korah people. Laid out the gospel. The gospel is, um, man, it's uh, so fun to talk about, so fun to share. But I just want to go quickly over this. Because this is what has happened to us. We've got to understand this. If we want to leave changed, we have to come to an understanding of what has happened to us if we have trusted Christ as our Savior. First of all, we've, we, we look at God, and we're going to go back through this again. We look at God, and God is holy, right? Like, not like, whoa, holy cow, dude. Not like that holy. <laughs> like, holy. Like, like, Isaiah saw Him as holy, like so far above us. So righteous, so perfect, so different than us, holy. And then you have man on the other side, that's us, so sinful, so unlike God. After the fall of Adam and Eve, that's where we were, that's that's what happened. We were cut off from God. And we're gonna talk more about that too, as in Sunday school hours. We got to share that with the core of people. But so you, you got to see that gap. God is so far above us. We are so far below Him. It says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So our natural instinct is like, okay, pull myself up by my bootstraps and i got to work this out. i got to work hard. God, I'm going to be going to church a lot. I'm going to be praying, doing this. And that's going to make me right with God. But that doesn't work. Because it says just before that in Romans 3.20, for no one will ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves right with God. Absolutely not nothing. The fact of the matter is, is that without Christ we are totally lost, totally helpless, separated from God. And the penalty for these sins, as we know is death and separation from God for eternity. That's why Isaiah was standing before God, like pulling his hair out, like, no, just kill me. Because I'm a sinner, and that's what sinners deserve. Death and eternal separation. Like, I don't deserve to see God. That's why he was so undone. And we have to get to that point where we realize who we are apart from Christ. So that's the bad news. That's the that's the tough part about the gospel is because it always has to start with the bad news because the good news can't be good until you've understood the bad news. That's the bad news. That's why Isaiah was so undone. So while we're standing there helpless as sinners in the presence of a holy, righteous God, we know God does something crazy, something that that I just, we can't even comprehend. Like. Why he did it. But he did it because he loves us. But it says in Romans five eight, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were still there, in, in our filth, in our sin, separated from God, Christ died for us. It wasn't like God, you know, like a lot of things in our culture, you know, we have like halfway programs, you know, like, okay, you get your act cleaned up to this point and then we're going to help you out. No, it wasn't like God said, okay, you start doing this and this, get, you know, like, get your life a little bit more in order, and then we're going to see what we can do. It wasn't like that. While we were still sinners, while we were still in our filth, still separated from God, unholy, unrighteous, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. And he did this because there was no other way. Because He is a holy, righteous God, He couldn't just look at our sins and say, don't do it again. I know I said not to do it, and I know I said that death was a penalty for sin, but you know, we're going to let it go this time. That's what, that's what we do as parents. God can't do that because He is holy, He is righteous, He is perfect. He can't go back on His Word. And since we had fallen into sin, we deserve death. We deserve separation. And yet God in His love said, you know what, I'm going to take that that penalty, I'm going to take it on myself I'm going to take it for you and so he took the punishment that came with the sins he took all of our sins he, he took them upon himself and he took the punishment that comes along with those and he died in our place and because he was sinless death didn't have power over him death couldn't hold him and so as we know he rose again on the third day Because He is God. And He is perfect. He is sinless. And so death couldn't hold Him down. And so now it says in Romans 5.16, For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Do we get that? Like, Like, here we were. In our sin, in our filth, Adam had plunged us into separation from God. But when Jesus died... He made a way for us to be taken out of the family of Satan and being put into the family of God. And this is open to all of us. As we know, this is a free gift of God. And for those of us who have accepted what Christ has done on the cross for us, things have changed. Right? Things have changed. Something huge has happened to us. For those of us who have been been made right with God, just like Isaiah, we have been cleansed. We've been forgiven. So remember, guys, remember where we started. We have to get this. I think it's so key to get this, to get this understanding. We have to get to the point where Isaiah was, where he was standing before God and he was undone. We have to get there. We have to remember where we started. It says in Romans 3, Romans chapter 3, it says that we are unrighteous. We're sinful apart from Christ. Before Christ it says we don't seek God, we've turned away and then it gets worse. It says that our tongues are filled with lies, our mouths are like open graves. Like this is this is what Isaiah was thinking. This is what Isaiah was go, what it was going through his mind and we have to understand that that is who we were before christ because a lot of times we have this concept of like yeah we you know like no well nobody's perfect you know everybody says sin you know and we kind of soften it like that but no apart from christ we are despicable separated we have no right to be in god's presence apart from christ that is who we were and if we get that, if we can understand that, then we as well will be on our knees before God saying, woe is me, because I'm a sinner. If we get that into our minds, if we come to an understanding, and I remember when I came to a deeper understanding of that, I was like, this was even after, guys, this was after I had accepted the gospel, accepted what Christ had done for me. But when I looked back and, and, and remembered at who I actually was apart from Christ, it... It hit me in a bigger way. And that's what happened to Isaiah. Because that's where we started. But for those of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior, things have changed. If we've trusted Him as our Savior, in a sense, the coal has touched our lips, and we've been forgiven. We've been cleansed. Think of the relief and joy of Isaiah as he was standing there waiting to just the axe to fall. And instead the cold touches his lips. Have we been there? Have we been there where we're waiting for the axe to fall? We're like, man, we don't deserve, we deserve death. And instead, God's grace washed over us. Have we gotten there? Have we been there? We used to be under God's wrath, but now we're under his grace. We were lost, but now we've been found. It says in Romans 8.15, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Like we've been adopted into the family of God. Like that's where we were, children of Satan, and now we've been adopted into the family of God. And as you guys know, adoption is a, is a pretty close thing to my heart right now because we got to... A new little boy as of two months ago. And when we adopted him, what do you think? When we brought him into our family, it wasn't like here are my three kids, and then this he's kind of like kind of like our kid. No, that's not how adoption works. That's my son. He's been brought into my family. He has a new name. As of four days ago, he has a new citizenship. He's an American citizen. He's a Schaefer. And there's no difference. That's my son. That's how God looks at us. This is who we were. We were children of Satan, but now that we have been brought into the family of God, God says, That's my son, that's my daughter. We've been adopted, we've been brought into the family of God. Then in Romans 8 17, it says, We're heirs of God, we're co heirs with Christ. In Ephesians 2 6, it says, In God's sight, we are seated with Christ in heaven. That is our position. That is how God sees us. In fact, it says later in Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Do you guys get that concept of in Christ? Like when God looks down at us, He doesn't see us. He sees Christ. He sees us in Christ. We're covered by the blood of Christ. When He looks down, He says, that's my Son who I love. We're covered by Christ. We're in Christ. In Ephesians 1, 19-20, it tells us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is inside of us. Like guys, and we have to, okay, this is all good to remember, but we've got to remember where we were. We were objects of God's wrath, and now the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. Like that's what blew Isaiah's mind, is he was looking at like he was a he was an object of God's wrath, and then his sins were forgiven. We were objects of God's wrath and now we're sons and daughters of the King and the Holy Spirit, like God, is living in us. I mean, it's just crazy. But that's what God's Word tells us. Do we get this? Because I believe if we get this, when we get to this point, when we see the contrast, then we'll be like Isaiah. We'll be blown away like Isaiah was. Just like Isaiah was, he wasn't contemplating. He wasn't saying, you know, well, I'm not sure, God, if I can go or not. He wasn't hesitant because he got it. He understood what had happened to him. And I think if we really get to the point where we understand what has happened to us, we'll be like Isaiah. Pick me, me, I want to go. I want to go. And as we know, guys, there are people all around us here in the Lock Haven area, Pennsylvania, all over in the United States, to the ends of the earth, who haven't heard this message. I mean, if you look farther in the book of Isaiah, um, the message that God was giving to Isaiah was not like the gospel message. (laughs) It was kind of a dark message. We have a message of life to take to the nations. And just like God was asking Isaiah, He's asking now. You know, He's saying, "Who should I send? Who's going to go for me?" We know from the Gospels that the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And you know what? I a lot of times there's a lot of like backbending or backbending, arm twisting to get people in the missions. You should do this. You should do that. And I don't want to be standing up there doing any of that because I believe that if we get this like Isaiah, at least, see, I, I don't think anybody had to twist Isaiah's arm. Isaiah was just like, you kidding me? I'm going. And I think if we get this, if we understand this, then we won't have to be coaxed into going. We won't have to have anybody saying, "No, you should do this or should, shouldn't do that. I believe that we'll be like Isaiah. We'll be jumping up and down saying, pick me. I want to go. I want to take your message. Of, I want to take your gospel to the ends of the earth or to wherever you have me to go. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, uh, we just thank you so much for your word, for your gospel, for what you've done for us, Lord. Um, it just blows our mind. I, I, I feel it. I feel what Isaiah felt, Lord, standing before you and feeling that touch touches lips, Lord. I, I pray that we would all feel that. We would all remember that feeling. And when we felt grace wash over us, Lord, and we felt our sins being taken away and um, man what an awesome awesome thing What we can't even thank you enough we can't fully comprehend it sometimes what has been done to, for us Lord and, and yet we stand here we thank you for what you've done for us and we just pray Lord uh, that we would come to a deeper understanding every day of the gospel and what you've done for us Lord so that we would be like Isaiah and we would want to be used in any way that you want to use us Lord we just thank you so much for your love for us we thank you for what you've done Pray that you would be honored in our lives today. In your name, amen.